we are fans of underdogs. That's right. We are back. It is Monday, April the 19th, 2021. I am David Patrick Fleming. And with me as always, my co-host, Jake the Hammer Eamon. We are using our radio voices today, all day, to try to up the content and make this more enjoyable. Jake, how you doing? Well, I'm doing great, uh, David. Uh, just feeling feeling wonderful, you know? Feeling like a yeah. hammer. Yeah, that's why we call you the hammer. That's right. Uh, I can't do that anymore. How long do you think you could do that for no money? Uh, you could. You're going to have to pay me to stop. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Well, here we are, folks. Folks, kids and kittens. The Blue Jays are back at it. Three games against the Kansas City Royals. But before we get into that, Jacob. Last night, I had a dream that me and Bo Bichette were friends. What? Really close friends. And this is true. I'm not making this up. This is an actual dream. We were hanging out, and Bo confided in me about the troubles of his father. He told the hitting me whisperer? That the hitting whisperer, Dante Bichette. Bo oh said God. to me... And he had some tragedy. There was some sadness in his, in his demeanor. And he's a little bit broken in this dream. But it felt real. It felt like a, a real thing that I was experiencing. He said that his father was a drinker on the road. He said that his father neglected him uh, when he was young. He said that he cheated on his wife. And that, that's why Bo is such a, loves his mother so much. His mother mostly raised him while his dad was on the road. And um, there's been so much adultery. And that, that's why Dante was the hitting coach for the Blue Jays, trying to make it up to Bo, <laughs> trying, to, trying to give back and make amends for the rough, rough childhood that he gave Bo. And so Bo may come across like he's a privileged millionaire's son and that he's had a lot of opportunities handed to him because of his privilege. But the tragedy, Jacob, it was very, very sad. I woke up in a weird headspace today. I'm still in that weird headspace, but I feel closer to Bo and I feel like I understand him more. Did you give him any advice or try and help him through or did you just kind of nod along, be there for I was him? just trying to trying to be there for him. I wanted yeah. him to know that it, I was a safe person that he could express these feelings with, but I feel like he knew that in the dream. Otherwise he wouldn't have shared it with me, but my God, his hair looked good. Mm -hmm. Were you on the team or was, no, I was not on the team. We were just friends. Like I, it was unclear to me how we became friends or how we met, but through some circumstance we became friends and he was just like, casually lying back on a couch like he was comfortable with me you know how good that felt like Bo was comfortable with me and sometimes he would reveal these truths about his dad and he would run his hand through his hair and I'd be like I'm so cool I'm hanging out with Bo Bichette and he's telling me all his secrets wow I'm so jealous that you have that dream but also just dreams in general like my like the hours between midnight and 7 a.m. are just like, I just have songs that repeat over and over and over again in my head, and I can't sleep at all. All yeah. I hear is Bee Gees, different Bee Gees tracks. Yeah, 
Well, it's because you were listening to the Bee Gees album, and then you did that to yourself. Well, but this was weeks ago. I I don't I don't listen to the music anymore. I can't listen to music, otherwise I won't I won't sleep. You you open Pandora's box, man. That's on you. <clears throat> the Bee Gees are too catchy for sleeping. <laughs> I get that too. I get these songs stuck in my head, and I just play them on the loop, and I just keep going over them and over them. And it's not like even a large chunk of the song. It's like maybe a five to eight second bit of the mm-hmm. song, and it's just on loop, and I yep. it drives me crazy. Yeah, that's that's how I feel right now. It's like I hear you, but it's like. You're just being scored by living it up on the nice home Broadway. That's what, that's that's what my life is. I think they're higher than that, Jacob. We're gonna need you to do that again. I, that's higher. That's as that's as good as I can go. Yeah, I can't do falsetto either. It's one of these things I'm really ashamed about. Okay, it is review shout out time. We asked you guys to give us some reviews on Apple Podcasts and every time you have stepped up to the plate. Now, this is a special review because this comes from, I'm going to call him our original listener, our original, dare I say fan. Mm-hmm. His name is Brad Urbanowicz, a witch. Is that how you would say it, Jacob? That's what I would guess, you know. Uh, I would go with a witch. It's, uh, yeah. Before we wit, he might be a wits guy. He could be a, I don't know. Brad, you tell us. You write it phonetically next time. Enough of this C's with the Z's at the end. Let's go. We're also guessing Uh, it is him based on it just being Brad and then whatever the number is. But uh, Brad's Brad's been involved with the podcast since the beginning for sure. So before we did Underdogs, we did the Buck and Tabby show. And uh, Brad was uh, one of the first people that reached out and, and made comments on I don't remember what it was. Was it on Apple or how did he? I don't remember. It was so long. Know, Twitter, I think. I think he was uh, is uh, one of the original Twitter followers. He he liked to send us messages about the shows. We you know? love Brad. So this review says this show is great. I've been listening to this show since the Buck and Tabby show. I loved the name of that first iteration. I also loved how you guys went daily in 2020. The nickname Male Rosie O'Donnell for Tanner Roark last year made me spit an ice cap all over my car. I'll definitely give this five stars for the Enter Brings Me. I think it means entertainment it brings me, but I don't want to make any assumptions. Probably got cut off, you know. He was was giggling. He was listening to the show, trying to type the review. He got sidetracked. This is a great review, but it also feels like two notes. It feels it feels like constructive he, criticism. <laughs> feels like he wants us to go back to calling it the Buck and Tabby Show. Well, you Fair don't note. even know the kind of cold sweats Jacob and I have had over the title of this podcast, so we can somewhat agree with that. He also wants us to go back to doing this daily, as we did in 2020. Well, Brad. That's a very difficult thing to do. It's very difficult to do it every day. Caused uh, a lot of problems. <laughs> Caused a lot of tensions. Jacob and I didn't speak to each other for 12 months. Um, it's it, it was a full-time job, you know? Especially for Jacob, who did all of the editing. He was cutting the music for these game diaries every day. We were writing game diaries every day. We were doing Thirsty Thursday. We were getting drunk in the morning on Thursday. <laughs> and uh, you know, I started turning that into Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So it was a problem. It was a real problem. It's tough to 
I mean, it's tough enough to just watch baseball every day. I mean, it's a four-hour commitment when when you have to pay attention to it so closely that you're writing notes, that you're then waking up in the morning, you're figuring out what the show's going to be about, then you record for an hour, an hour and a half, and then I'm cutting it for another two hours. That's like an eight-hour, it's a full-time job yeah. to, to do the show every day. Do you think in any way Brad is asking us for money for uh, the mess he made all over his car with the ice cap? Like, do you think that he's kind of giving us that information in hopes that we're like, oh, my God, Brad, we're so sorry. Uh, what kind of damage was done to your car? Can we pay for that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably. Maybe he wants it to be less giggle worthy, you know, less less yucks coming at him. He wants just a more of a, a less enter kind of a show. And, uh, you know, maybe he won't be spitting his ice cap everywhere. But I can't stop. I can't help it. I can't. Yeah. I, I, what am I supposed to do? Not not call Tanner Roark Rosie O'Donnell? He is. Male Rosie O'Donnell. I don't know if I ever, I mean, if I said male Rosie O'Donnell, I just, maybe you did. I did. I remember. I remember you did. You definitely Male Rosie did. O'Donnell. Yeah, okay. Because if, especially if you take the Rosie O'Donnell from League of Our Own, League of Our Own, like mm-hmm. in the baseball uniform, little Bob, and then slam on a black beard. It's it's close. Yeah. It's it's when it's I thought of it originally though, it I mean that's that's that was updated this year to feel like like it was a bit more appropriate. When I originally thought of it though, when I saw Tanner Roark first pitching, I was thinking like the Rosie O'Donnell show days, like straight up talk show, um doing whatever she did. I have fond and memories that used, of that show though. I don't know. Yeah, me too. That used to be so popular. That was like Ellen popular back yeah. in the day. And yeah, everybody yeah. loved Rosie O'Donnell. Then she did something. I don't remember what. Probably expressed some truth that she feels and everyone <laughs> tore apart or something. <laughs> okay, let's get into the dog crap of the Blue Jays series against the Kansas City Royals. So they played Thursday night. They lose 7-5. Rained out Friday. Doubleheader Saturday. Then they played yesterday. Now. Yeah, and that is four games, just, by the way, David. I think you said it was a three-game series, but you forgot one wow jacob thanks for calling me out on that uh okay let me just try to gather myself after uh whoo ooh, i am easily angered these days (laughs) uh so thursday they got anthony k on the hill and i don't know if everybody can go back to thursday feels like half a year ago but Kevin Biggio came out of the game. He got injured trying to uh, feel the line drive with his fingernails. And before that, he'd made uh, about two errors. In fact, I think the injury that he made that where he hurt himself was um, an error. He's looking really bad at third base. Lourdes Gurriel was looking really bad in left field. He dove for a ball at one point that was, I'm going to say, 20 feet away from him. And he sort of went knees first, then chest to the ground and flopped. And then his legs kicked up. And it was just a really bad defensive game. Was Anthony Kay good? Ah, No. Not good. But did he deserve a better fate than perhaps he received from poor defense? I don't know. Jacob? They were te- they were teeing up pretty good on him. I think that ah. I think that even even with good defense, uh, he wasn't necessarily getting the job done for me. Well, he would have got the job done because there's some of those. Uh, let me. I mean, fuck. I'm gonna like make bold claims. I might as well fucking look at the actual um, numbers here because he did not 
deserve to be pulled when he was pulled. That's for sure. Now he let up five runs, four of them were earned, but I think that there was some question, but like that play with Lourdes in left field was not an error. It was just like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. And then Lourdes took another really bad route to a ball in the outfield and it cost them another run. And, you know, this is to be expected to some degree because look, this team is riddled with injuries right now. Like we are missing half of the team. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's go pretty around. good considering. We're doing pretty good considering it's just hard to take that into consideration when you're watching some of these games because, I mean, you don't have Biggio at third base. Not that that's necessarily a really big loss at the moment. Uh, we're down to the Merriweather. So far? <laughs> yeah, so far. And we're, I actually do want to get into that. Okay. Uh, down Merriweather. We're down Romano. Mm. Um. Those that's a blows. massive those especially in a double header on saturday when you need you need bullpen arms and whatnot because uh you know it's back-to-back games so the blue jays lose seven five on thursday vladdy looks amazing mm-hmm. crushes a home run uh goes he goes uh three four. for five and it, what was it 456 or something he hit that thing it was the farthest home run of his career it was 450 plus that surprised you? Yeah, for some reason I thought he'd 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 smacked one further than that. But I guess I guess not. Four fifty six is pretty far, but you take into consideration that the ball is deader. True. He hit that four fifty six. You'd have to think that in like say last year he hits that, it's like four sixty plus. Which is massive. Mm-hmm. And that's not even I mean, he pulled it a little bit, but it was left center. Mm-hmm absolutely crush that so then the double header happens on saturday which was also jacob's birthday the yes, big rio and jacob you had a party with about a hundred maskless people at your place didn't you it got out of control cops came you know army was they they said the army might come i don't know they didn't show up but uh i spent sunday in jail <laughs> <laughs> uh so first game of saturday looks good steven matz who who was it that called steven matz the comeback player of the year who's been calling steven matz the comeback player of the year for a couple months oh yeah that's right it's me uh and that is living true to form and steven matz goes six innings gets the job done he's now three and oh with a 1.47 era now he might have thrown a no hitter that game if it wasn't again for Lourdes Gurriel Jr. I'm not saying that it was like an easy ball to get to, but I'm saying like a really good left fielder who takes a good route gets a nice jump off that good sprint speed. You know, like if if I'm imagining like Brett Gardner three years ago in left field, boom, that's an out. What I don't get is how he doesn't dive for that ball. Well, I mean, he dove for the other happened. ball. He did not dive. <laughs> that was not a dive. I will, I will take that to my grave. He he tumbled. He 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 braced himself to 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 scrape the ground with his arms. You know, it was like he was about to go under like those 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 uh, ropes that you crawl under when you're like training for the army. He's like, I'm about to go under there. I'm gonna <laughs> j- j- get as low as I can to the ground with my knees and and flop. It it was like he had that 
second of doubt right before he dove. And it, it was either because of him knowing he's too far away from it or him being like, I'm going to die for this ball. Oh, wait, I don't want to get hurt. And then he just drops to his knees first and then clunks like a, just a crumpled bag of bones. Uh, but yeah, so Steven Matz had a no hitter through six. It? it was in the six that he still had no hits. And now it wouldn't have been an official no hitter because it was just a seven inning game, which is, you know, a little bit, a little bit unfair. I mean, I, I still would have thought of it as, you know, a pretty incredible achievement I yeah. mean, to a degree it would have been a no hitter. I mean, it was still no a great achievement to me. Like it, it, you know, obviously going nine, throwing a no hitter, throwing an official no hitter, it's going to be on another level for me, but the, the performance still remains the same. It's just as incredible to me how, how well he's doing so far. Yeah, he really is. And it's one of those things I find where you're just waiting for it to turn. Mm-hmm. And you will. can't believe, yeah, you, you do have to believe that it, at some point it will, because even in the post-game interviews, they're like, have you, have you ever had a run like this before? And he's like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 2016, I had a run like this, a little bit of uh, 2014. And so you're like, oh, okay. So you do do this. And then there's another side of you. There's an element of that. And I was listening to that too. And I was thinking, he all, I feel like he also can't really be like, I know I've sucked my whole career and now I'm good. And I can smell that you're trying to say that it's because of Pete Walker that now I'm good. And I feel like a part of him has to like protect himself in that moment and be like, look, I, I, I'm a good pitcher. I've, you know, I've, I've been through this before. This isn't new. I'm, you know, kind of act like you've been there before from a pitching standpoint and just kind of stay under the radar. So, yeah, because he must hear some of the things that are said and the things seem to be like, oh, he was just a garbage pitcher last year and the Blue Jays are hoping to get something out of him. And, you know, he knows what he's capable of. Mm-hmm. He knows what his life has been like and what he's been like as a pitcher. And so, yeah, probably you're probably right about that. He's probably just standing up for himself to some I degree so. where he's and good for him. I actually really like his demeanor in interviews and on the mound. Yep. He. uh yeah, he's definitely one of, uh, I mean, he's our second most important pitcher at this point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And just thinking about getting everyone back, like, and if he maintains this, like, just, you know, kind of dream about the future of this team and, like, what could have been possible. Imagine if Yates was still in the picture. <laughs> yeah. And we're, what, we're leading the American League in ERA? Something like that? Yeah, I don't know if we're leading. Are we? I think we might be. Oh, wow. It's going real well. Uh, well, I guess, you know, when you're Robbie Ray and you walk 3,000 people and you don't let in a run, that helps. Um, just to say about Nate Pearson, Nate Pearson is throwing a live BP, I believe, to tomorrow mm-hmm. in Boston. So that's a big step forward. You might be able to imagine him starting to pitch either in the bullpen or in the rotation in the next couple of weeks. So that's something also to say Blue Jays have four off days in the next two weeks. So I believe they're going to go down to a four man rotation right now. Yep. Cause they don't play tonight. They don't play Thursday. And then it's the same thing next week, which is like, it's I'm weird. Not, I'm not thrilled about it. No, I hate it. I hate when there's no game on. Yeah. Same. I love looking forward to games, even when the game's on and I watch it and I'm like, Ugh, I'm bored, but I still love looking forward to the games. 
So the Blue Jays win the first game 5-1. They bring in Rafael Dolis in the uh, ninth inning down by f- or up by four runs. He gets into a bit of a pickle, but that makes him sort of not available for the next game. And the next game, they lose it 3-2 on a Salvador Perez walk-off dinger. And Tommy Malone started that game. And woo, woo, Tommy Malone. Tommy Malone and Tanner Roark in the same game. Ooh, the two-for-one. And then uh, yesterday... They, uh, they, is it two, nothing? Yeah. Two, nothing. They lose two, nothing again on a Salvador Perez home run. Robbie Ray pitches walks fucking everybody doesn't let up any runs that yesterday was one of the most frustrating games. Probably the most frustrating game of the season. Do you, do you agree with that? Have you seen the movie walk the line? <laughs> uh, is that, is that the, uh, Johnny cash movie? Correct. Yes, there's I a, have. There's a sequence in that film where, uh, June's uh, trying to get Johnny clean. Uh, you know, he's been on the pills for a while. And there's a sequence in the film where he's like in bed for days, like going through the going through the withdrawal, rolling around kind of in and out of a cloud. That's kind of what my experience was like watching the game. I was in bed the whole game. Um, I had my experience, my first 30 year old hangover um, without even being this- drunk on Saturday night. Oh God! And and having the experience, the 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 uh, tension, the stress of what Robbie Ray had done to me was runners on base. The bases loaded every inning. I'm tw- t- tossing and turning in my bed. My head's throbbing, and the, the the Jays aren't putting up any runs. No no nice at bats beyond Vlad. Oh my God! If all things were equal in terms of the amount of runs being scored, would you rather watch, uh, let's say, Robbie Ray walk everybody, like fucking everybody, or watch him let up a bunch of uh, like weak contact hits, like nubbers, just nubbers all over, bloops and nubbers all over the field? Like, What would be more frustrating to you? Mm, probably, oh, that's tough. I want to say the hits. <laughs> I, I don't like hits. I, I prefer a walk to a hit, but I, I, I'm guessing you feel more about in, in line with the walks. Well, the walks allow me to put the frustration and anger on Robbie Ray, whereas the bloops and nubbers allow me to say that, you know, this is just fate. This is right. the world is against us. Uh, and I don't like uh, hating Robbie Ray, but my God, do I ever hate watching that many walks and like, he just screams every time he pitches it. And, you know, he wasn't close. It wasn't like he was hovering around the zone. For the most part yesterday, he was not close. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's still the least frustrating part of the game for me. The, the most frustrating part of the game to me is watching Brady Singer, who, like, looks like he, he like, developed his whole essence, like, looking at a book. Of, or like a baseball card from the 70s, like he sees that you're supposed to kind of have like long hair tucked behind your ears as a pitcher and like uh, the demeanor that he has. And like I saw him swear at someone, like he he got someone out or, or, or someone, I can't remember what happened, but he like was walking off and like kind of turned back and was like, what the, what the fuck are you looking at? Or like had this kind of a thing. Like I was like, this guy's like 20 years old. And, you know, it just, it, it made me so angry that we were doing nothing against him. I hear you, but if he was on your team, you would love that. No. 
Yeah, you would. You'd no, love I wouldn't. That fu- you, what wouldn't you like about that? If he was, if Nate Pearson was uh, getting everybody out and was like, "The fuck you looking at, baby? Yeah, you in the doghouse now?" <laughs> you would like that. I would like that if it felt uh, natural and not like studied. There was something so fake about Brady Singer. And if Singer, if you're hearing this out here, like, fuck you, dude. Yeah, Keep we'll yourself. fight you. I don't care. You're nothing to lose. Meet me outside my hut. Yeah. His two-seam fastball is pretty nasty, though. It's got a lot of movement, and he gets it up there about 96. Yeah, and his slider, too. I mean, Randall Grichik against that slider. Oh, my God. Yeah, Randall Grichik looked like, uh, well, Randall Grichik, finally. Um Here's what I want to talk about first off. Not first off. We've been talking for like a fucking hour already. Let's get but to here's it. Here's what I want to. Okay. Look, Jacob, I know you might feel differently about this, but I'm uh, I'm starting to turn on old Marcus Simeon. Oh, okay. And yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you my beef here. In the leadoff spot, no. I'm not. Uh, when The more and more I see him and the more and more I go over his actual career numbers, I'm like, nah, this dude ain't who I thought he was. His OPA, OPS plus this year is 73. Mm-hmm. So anybody out there, 100 is average. So he is you know, 27% worse than average. He's not good at the top. He's not having good at bats. Yes, he's got, I think, four home runs. He's batting below 200. He's just, it's not good. I'm not saying that he shouldn't play. I'm just saying get him out of the top. Now, we've got a lot of injuries. Obviously, George Springer will be at the top when he comes back, but I'm done. So I want to talk about who leads off now. Now? Now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. This this reminds me of uh, listening to Blue Jays talk the other night, and uh, or it was I think after the doubleheader. It might have been yesterday morning. Listening and hearing Josh Goldberg talk about how he wants uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. to get the however you can get him the most at bats on the team. And I was like, because no, he was no, like, no, no, fuck no. I know, I know. And he's like, that's, and I'm like, that's not what I'm saying. I'll, I'll give you three candidates if you want, or you can just do open field and you choose. Um, ba, 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 I, look, look, I, Kevin Biggio healthy right now, I would be leading him off. No fucking way. He looks like shit. He looks like shit at the plate. He looks like shit on the field. Maybe mm-hmm. he's hurt. Either way, he doesn't deserve that. He's not, he's not, it, no. Well, do you know when he looked good? Uh, first half of last year. Well, he was leading off is when he looked good. Sure. His, when they changed him, when they, cha- when they f- swapped him and Bo Bichette, Bo Bichette was leading off, and they're like, oh, maybe we should lead off this guy and not the guy who's super aggressive and tries to <laughs> hit it as hard as he can for two, up to two strikes. Um, and then everything just clicked into place for Kevin Biggio. And his open. OBP was off the uh, off the charts. Uh, just to quickly say, Jacob, I had a dream about Bobachet, so I'm not really going to be uh, cool with you making fun of him. On the I'm not making fun of him. I'm just saying that's that's who he is. Um, May I okay. suggest to you? Yeah, tell me who you want. <laughs> Santiago Espinal. Okay. Why? Get Kevin because he's a really good defender. I want him to play third base. Kevin can't play third base. Great. 
And I just think, no, ideally Santiago Espinal is not going to be your leadoff hitter. But for the time being, give him a shot. I want to see him. I feel he deserves a shot more than like a Palacios deserves a shot more. And I don't, you know, obviously in a perfect, in a different world, Jonathan Davis would be a great leadoff hitter. Super fast. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. you want him on the field because of his defense, but he's not getting the job done, even though he had a dinger on, I don't remember Saturday. Yeah. What do you think about Espinal getting that opportunity right now? Well, we let Biggio heal his fingy, his little sore fingy. And we say to Simeon, like, look, dude, relax. Like, you're going down to, I don't know, six, seven even. I My guess is that Santiago Espinal has, like, less than 100 at-bats in the major leagues. And that we're basing this off of, like, the tiniest sample size. And that the only reason you're thinking that is because he doesn't have a big enough sample size to make you angry and disappointed to where, like, you don't even want him on the team. No, I know, but that's what I'm saying when that's why I'm framing it as a shot. Like you get a shot. I'm not saying that that's your place, but it's like, hey, man, we're giving you this opportunity. Let's see what you can do. Might be horrible. Mm-hmm. It might be. But all I know, Santiago Espinal right now is batting 375. He's a career MLB average of 279. Now, how many career at bats does he have? Let's see how close Jacob was to being right. Pretty close. Pretty close. He's got 68 career. <laughs> still, still, like, but like, what, what are we, what are you supposed to do? You're just going to keep letting Simeon be this dud at the top of the order right now? Or are you just going to, because I guess here's the other thing. What does that do to him if you take Simeon out of the leadoff spot? Like, you, you, you bring this guy into a new team, you ask him to play a new position, you're giving them this opportunity to be the leadoff hitter. You give them, you know, the better part of two weeks, maybe a little bit longer than two weeks. And then you say, nah, and then you send him down. Like, what does that do to him? And do you care? Uh, Well, I don't know what it does to him, but I do care. I definitely care. And I know that he's got way more experience as a leadoff hitter than certainly Santiago Espinal does. And he's got way more of a track record of being a better hitter than Santiago Espinal does. He doesn't, though. He had one good year offensively. Yeah. One good year. How many years does Santiago Espinal have good offensively? This year. <laughs> how, how many at-bats does he have this year? Uh, uh, eight. <laughs> <laughs> if he had the same amount of at-bats as, as Marcus Simeon does, do you think he'd have a, a higher OBP or a high, o, o, higher OPS plus? Uh, uh... Yeah, I do. Actually, I think 73 is pretty atrocious. 73 is pretty bad. But here's my other uh, point on this is that is Marcus Simeon our leadoff hitter? Well, no. So then what does it matter? He's not going to be there anyway. I I still believe in him enough more than I do in Santiago Espinal that I'm willing to keep at it and keep giving him a chance to turn things around there because I think it's a better option. But uh, like I said, if Kevin Biggio was healthy, I I wouldn't, I wouldn't have, I would have had him leading off anyways. Him hitting second for however long he was didn't make sense to me. Him hitting fifth made even less sense to me. Like his his best qualities was when he was a leadoff hitter. When he wasn't trying to drive in runs. What are we doing? 
Yeah. I, man, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I, I think I'm too, I'm too clouded by what Kevin's shown us already this year. And I'm, I've, I've put too much judgment on him. Mm-hmm. I, I've, I've said in my mind, this is who you are. And we were tricked and you're shit. Right. And that's not fair. That's not fair at all. Cause last year he had a lot of value for at least half the season. Yep. He was an incredible fantasy player for, for like half the season last year. I think, um, I think he can be a great player and obviously the blue Jays do too. I think it's the position thing. I think he's taken on more than he can handle and he's just trying to be really agreeable to all of these changes that they're asking him to make. And I think it's too much for him. I think it's just too much for him. I think the dude needs to play second base. You know, maybe he likes playing the outfield. I don't know. I think that poses more problems somehow though. I think, I think honestly he had one bad game at third. And I think at the beginning, his arm, like he, he was, look, obviously his arm isn't great, but I feel like 95% of the, of the time defensively, he's been fine. And he had this one dreadful game that's really coloring our whole experience. I would, I would say he had one dreadful game, but then he's had some like suspect moments throughout, like sprinkled throughout. Who hasn't? Well, a lot of other third basemen around the league. Well, a lot of other third basemen around the league have been playing third base their whole life. Yeah, that's fair. That's totally fair. And this is his first season. We have to we have to accept that there was going to be some uh, some trials and tribulations, a little bit of difficulty to get through. But I think he he can he can play the position fine. I okay, think he so can be let's, average. Let's call out the elephant in the room here then. Mm-hmm. Vladdy plays third. No. Why? Because he's on an MVP track season right now, and uh, I don't want to do anything to mess with that. Yeah. And he looks awesome and super athletic, and he looks like he's having the time of his life at first right now. And if he, I put pressure I, on him to start diving and like start charging balls and barehanding and throwing over to Rowdy, no, no way. He, as I was saying to you the other day, like first base seems like it was made for Vladdy. He's super chatty. He loves talking to people. He's always chatting to people on first base. It looks like he's so confident right now. He's relaxed. He's having fun. I don't want to fuck with him either. It is, you know, it it is, I, I am curious. I am curious to see what he would be like at third base, but it just doesn't feel worth it because it's probably unlikely that he's going to be better than Kevin at third base anyway. Mm-hmm. You definitely don't want to do something that, you know, takes him off of the rhythm that he has right now. Cause he's looking so good, man. His eye at the plate is incredible. Yeah. He just seems so comfortable and he smokes the ball almost. It feels like every time he hits the ball, it's over a hundred miles an hour. He's, he's crushing the league in over a hundred mile an hour uh contact mm-hmm. yeah and, like he's 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 killing stanton he's killing judge shohei all these guys that mash the ball he's killing them yeah and he's not chasing pitches like i saw someone posted this graph on twitter that had like a, a picture that was like on one side of the graph it was chase rate and the other side was hard hit so it has like the people who don't like swing out of the zone the the most 
uh, at the bottom or, or at the top. And so if, and then hard hit was like on the right side. So he was like by himself. And then like an inch over there was uh, Stanton and then like Bryce Harper and Mike Trout. Like he's in a yeah. completely different world in terms of mixing, having an incredible eye and just hitting the ball ungodly hard. I saw that. I thought that was just an American League thing, though, because I didn't see Acuna on there. But maybe, maybe I yeah, just... Acuna Soto, they're on there, but they're not even oh, close to hitting the ball nearly as hard as Vlad does. They're in like the same like chase percentage, but like he's in another world of of hitting the ball hard. He's so exciting, and he's such a likable guy. Like he he, it seems like everybody flocks to him. Everybody likes him little moments now that they show him on the bench with teammates and stuff. I'm just completely charmed by him. Mm -hmm. I just, I'm so glad that he's, you know, like give him the fucking credit. Like he, he put so much work in. he overcame like what seems to be a fairly significant mental hurdle at the age of 21. And now he's reaping the benefits. And one of the best parts about reaping the benefits is that he now relates reaping the benefits to him putting in that work. Yep. No because doubt if he that. had to put in all that work and, and then played like shit, he would have been like, no, oh, it doesn't matter if I work or not. Yeah. But now it's clear to him that it matters. And people are afraid um, of him. He, he, like, it's like they're helping his numbers. Like, it's like, I don't know how he slumps anymore because it seems like half the time he doesn't have to swing. <laughs> can just now he's in that position like he always said he was in the minors where he's like i just wait for them to throw me something in the middle of the plate like i just wait till i get my pitch and then i smoke it because <laughs> it's yeah. it's way more obvious because they're so much more afraid that the the delineation now of what's going to be a ball and what's going to be a strike is so much more apparent because people are trying to throw balls <laughs> yeah i mean especially now with the way the jays lineup is like i mean you'd rather face anybody but him no oh, yeah Oh, so Grichik coming up? No, no, of course not. I'm going to walk Vladdy. Uh, we used to do this thing last year when we did this show daily. We used to do something called promotions and demotions where every game we would uh, promote a player or demote a player. And so we're gonna, I just want to do like some, I'm going to throw you on the spot here, Jacob. I didn't tell Jacob about this, but <clears throat> I just want to now that we are 16 games into the season, one player to, and I haven't thought about this either, to be honest with you, uh, one player to promote one, one, basically one player to shout out, give big props to, and one player to demote and uh, shun, shun from the village. Okay. Ooh, baby. I am going to demote Lourdes Gurriel Jr. Whoa. It's going to be my guy that I, that I feel like needs the most criticism right now. I know we've spent okay. a lot of time in this episode just like criticizing the players, but uh, I feel like we could do some more on Lourdes. I could do, I could, I, I feel like I could do a whole episode on, on ripping Lourdes. Uh, give, give me a little, give me a little taste of it. A little taste of it. Well, I feel like he just doesn't exist to me. Like he's the most forgettable, the most forgettable guy at the plate right now. I feel like there's, there's nothing that I'm afraid of at pitching to him. Uh, defensively, like I feel like he's gotten worse somehow, and I feel like he was bad to begin with. He doesn't look like a professional ball player to me when the ball is near him. Um, in the outfield, I feel like there's no urgency to him when the ball is on the ground. I know a lot of the times uh, outfielders 
look really kind of lackadaisical when they know a player's strolling into second. And so they kind of just kind of jog over to the ball and lob it to the cutoff man. But there's just something about the way that he's playing right now. You know, a lot of it is, you know, when the ball goes over his head, I, I have no confidence that he's going to either catch it or read it off like going off the wall, going to the right place, or if it's going to skid into the dirt and he needs to get right up to the wall to grab it. Uh, and then, you know, I, usually I can, usually I, I'm okay with that because, you know, he does have a good arm. He makes some good plays when, uh, when runners are in motion, he has to throw it home or something. But obviously that's not great because something bad is likely going to happen. And he makes you forget about that because usually he's, such a dangerous hitter. And uh, I know that he's, he's, he's run into a couple, maybe he's turning things around a little bit right now, but uh, I have, I've been super underwhelmed by him. And obviously there's been worse hitters on the team and there are guys who have performed worse, but my expectations for him are higher than those guys. So that's, that's, that's my thing with Lourdes Gurriel Jr. right now. That's all fair. Uh, you mentioned that there are worse hitters on the team. Uh, I'm going to go with one of them. Uh, and that is, and I'm sorry to do this, but I got to Danny Jansen. Yeah. I'm, I can't take it, man. Uh, defense aside. And, uh, you know, Ryu likes throwing to Danny Jansen. Matt's uh, mentioned he likes it too. Yeah. Matt seems like he likes throwing into him. Like he looks, he looks good behind the plate to some degree, like neither of the blue Jays catchers have looked like they're capable of throwing out a runner. You might be able to put a lot of that on the pitchers and the pitchers inability to hold a runner on, or these high leg kicks that a lot of these blue Jays pitchers have with men on base. He's batting 71. Mm -hmm. And now when this team is functioning good and their offense is as good as it should be, you don't need a lot of offense from the catching spot, but 71 yeah. Like, come on, he, the dude can't even put down a fucking bunt. Like what? And I'm, and you know, fair enough. He probably, ha he hasn't done it very often. He probably doesn't like being asked to bunt. We've talked about this before. I don't like, it's just, it's like a national league pitchers at the plate when Danny Jansen comes up to the plate and, and arguably worse. In fact, in fact, Steven Matz has better average as a hitter than Danny Jansen career wise. No, not career-wise. Uh, I don't think so anyway. But Stephen <laughs> Matz was actually a fairly, like, I just mean Stephen Matz's average is higher than 71. All right. Okay, um, right, right. And, you know, one of the things about Danny Jansen in the minor leagues was that this is an offensive catcher. Mm -hmm. Well, let's see it, because he's been given some opportunities now. There's not a lot of people in the major leagues who would be given the opportunity that he has been given and has continuing to get. And, and Kirk is out hitting him and Kirk's not doing all that well either. I mean, Kirk's hitting below 200, but you know, at least he had a home run. He's, you know, been getting some hits of late. He started out pretty cold. So he's on a little bit of a, a little bit of a hot streak, but I got to go with Danny Jansen. Yeah. And like you imagine giving Kirk every day at bats, you know, that he's going to start to get into a group, figure things out. And at this point, I mean, look at Rowdy Tellez, how quickly you can turn around your, like Rowdy's zeros and now he's hitting over 200 or at one point he was in the game. Like things are, things change really quickly. Um, especially, I mean, we can touch on Rowdy a bit later. His kind of the way he's turned things around. Um, but yeah, <sighs> Danny Jansen, come on, man. Come on. 
I feel, I feel like I want to say I feel bad for him, but I'm just like I'm I'm I, like enough is enough. I want to see just make contact at least. I know that he hit one to the wall. You know, I don't remember which game it was. It looked like it might go. I thought it was going to go, and man, I bet he felt like he could really use that. But yeah, it, it's no, been no, it's no been doubt interminable watching him. Yeah. Uh, promotions. Promotions. I'm going to skip Vlad, you know, uh, we've talked enough about Vlad and how awesome he's been. Um, I want to, why don't you go first? I'm going to, I'm going to try and think of of some, someone a bit more creative here. Right. I'm also going to skip Vlad only because he gets like a different type of award. He gets, you know, he gets MVP of the team. He gets on a different level. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, other, uh, because if we don't put him on that other level, both you and I are just going to go Vladdy and then that'll be the end of it. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go to Steven Matz. I'm going to go to Steven Matz. And here is why I'm going to go to Steven Matz. Steven Matz grew up in New York. It was a big deal for Steven Matz to be a New York Met. And that must've been a really painful experience for him to be in New York in front of family and probably a childhood dream and to struggle and fail the way that he did and then to be kind of shipped out right when the Mets got this new ownership and it looked like they were going to have an exciting team with getting Lindor and, you know, their pitching rotation was starting to to shape up and then they dump him to the Blue Jays for four million bucks and, you know, Sean Reed Foley. Uh, really need to say uh, too much more about that. And then he comes here and he, you know, I'm going to assume he puts in the work in the off season and he's looked outstanding. And now that might change. That might flip. He might struggle, but here we are 16 games in and he's a below two ERA and he's three and oh, and he's gotten the deepest in games consistently out of any blue Jays pitcher on the team. And so he gets my promotion. I dig that. I dig that. Uh, just let's just both cross our fingers. Just keep it going. Doesn't even have to be as good as it as it is now. I mean, his his ERA is like sub two. If he can keep that thing sub three, ooh, whole season stays healthy. Even even sub if four man yeah. sub four. Yeah, if he stays healthy, man, that is such a steal. We've talked about it before, but man, Ross and Mark, that deal could look incredible. Yeah, oh and I wonder God. how much of that is is you know, it, it's luck to some degree. You know what I mean? I don't think they had like a secret information that he was going to be able to do this. I think that you take a chance and you, you know, I, I think probably a lot of teams view Matt's in a similar way. I don't imagine the Blue Jays have, because uh, certainly Matt's wasn't their like guy that they're trying to go get in the off season. It just kind of worked out and they paid little for him and are paying little for him now. So maybe, maybe to some extent, I do think that there's like a money ball scene that's happening in, in, in the Blue Jays front office where like they're like putting in some equations of like, you know, spin rates or different stats. And there's like a list of dudes that come out who are like severely underperforming versus what they should be based on the kind of movement or the, some sort of stuff calculator. And then they go and they watch tape. They watch a bunch of stuff. They look at the results that happen. They look at the the pitch mix that he's been doing. See where he's been getting lit up. Go to Pete Walker and say, "Look, we got this guy and this guy as targets of guys that we think." And you know, Pete, or you know, their their equations say if we do this, we think we'll be able to get more out of him, keep him healthy. He stays healthy. Um, it could really work out for us. That's 
you know, maybe that's wishful it, it, thinking that, that that it works like that, but it, it's got to be one of those enticing things with a guy like Matt's because when you look at um, his profile, it probably comes across like it's a mental fix, and I think a mental fix is something that you can take on. You know, you you might think to yourself, change of scenery, you know, whatever, because it's not like his stuff is dipped. He's always had a good fastball. He's always had good off speed stuff. But one of the things with Matt's was. Um, at a certain point, he just loses his control. And especially when he's from the windup or sort of from the stretch, when he's throwing from the stretch, his numbers drop off like a cliff. And so you must think, oh, it's mental. It's like, you know, you go to the, the, the fucking SBCA and they're like, I got a beautiful golden retriever for you. It's two years old, but it's just got a, it's got a thing when you shut the door, when you shut a door and it hears the door shut, it freaks the fuck out and it will ravage your home and it will tear your couch apart. And you're like, Ooh, it's a beautiful dog. Mm -hmm. I bet you, I can, if I just make it feel safe, if I protect it and, you know, let it know that it's cared for, maybe we can work on that. And so maybe that's like an element of what the mats thing is. Cause it's not like necessarily an injury thing with mats. It's just, it seems mental. Yeah. Right. Well, uh, listen, I got a I think my I got a promotion. I'm not I'm not 100% certain about it, but it's it's a kind of a gut feeling I got. It's not based by right. numbers really, but my promotion's going to Jonathan Davis. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah, man. I uh you know, character kind of uh energy teammate kind of stuff goes a long way for me. And I feel like when you have a team as good as I think the Blue Jays can be when healthy, that having that guy, having that defensive specialist, having that guy who can, you know, affect the game the way he can on the base pass. Obviously we, we have that thing that sticks out glaring of him getting picked off, you know, that colors us in one way, but I don't think that that's who he is. I think that he is, pretty lethal, uh, as a runner. And I, I can't get out of my head. Some of the spectacular catches that he's had, that he had last season in the outfield. I think that far and away, he's the, the best defensive outfielder on the team. And it's easy to right now think of that the, that the infield is the, is the problem on defense that we have. And maybe, maybe it is, but I can't I can't get over how bad Guriel looks to me in the outfield and how you know average to below average Teoscar Hernandez usually looks and in the past has looked just dreadful. So to me, when I think of a guy you know who right now I feel like should be playing more with with the guys that we have out with Teoscar out, particularly over Palacios to me. Um, and when we are healthy is uh, is a guy that I'm interested in in it's tough because we have Grichuk too and and, and it's crowded out there but yeah. I, I would just love to be able to find a place for him on the team I like that shout out I like it I I agree with most of the the things that you said I mean you know there's people that are playing better than him who could be promoted. But the fact that this guy broke his first major league club this year, made the team. And then not only that, but then amongst it all, 
gets hit with this Josh Palacios thing where mm-hmm. Palacios is now coming in and taking playing time away from him. He must be a little bit like, what the fuck? Like you could see a guy getting super frustrated by that, but he seems like he stays positive, a good teammate, and uh, he's got a great skill set. So yeah, that's a good pick. Jonathan yeah. Davis. And it feels like Palacios's best attribute is that he's left-handed <laughs> to me <laughs> over, over Jonathan Davis. Like I got and especially like I don't know, Jonathan Davis hasn't looked completely o- overmatched in the in the box. You know, he's got that home run. I think that he, you know, he's apparently he's simplified his swing a little bit. You know, he's trying to hit the fastball. That's great. Bringing it, bring keep, let let me keep seeing a bit more of him, and get make sure that he's staying in that outfield. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, it's gonna. Uh wrap some stuff up here unless do you want to talk about Rowdy Telez or should we save that? Um, I'm just happy for him, man. I, I, you know, he's, he's been one of my favorite players on the team since, since he's come up and we, you know, we've gone over his great story coming up and everything, but that he got that monkey off his shoulder and then he was like hitting 500 or something since then. Maybe, maybe a bit less. I may have just completely made that up, but he, he was going on a tear since he since he hit that home run, and uh, I think he's just so important to the team. I agree. Left-handed bat, tons of power, tons of potential. Uh, great first baseman. Um, yeah, I'm happy for him too. Yeah, but who like what what happens when Springer's back? When Tay Oscar's back? How do we how do, how do you what what are you doing with Gritchick? What are you doing with 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 Guriel with 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 Rowdy with Jonathan Davis with Espinal with Joe Panic how how do you how do you line these things up? I think uh, you're gonna have to play your way onto the team. I think guys who are playing well and you know it's obviously people like Palacios are going to and Espinal are gonna suffer a little bit because they can be sent down. So I imagine that that's the way that that'll go for a while. And guys who can be sent down will be, even if they're playing better than guys that have to stay up because Mm -hmm. they can be sent down. But I mean, they're going to have to figure it out. I mean, you look at the Dodgers, the Dodgers are deep as fuck. The Dodgers have so many guys on their bench that, you know, could start for other teams and, you know, wouldn't be the worst thing if we had too many players who were so good and we didn't know what to do with all of them. So let's hope that that is a problem that we have. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so day off tonight, and then there's a weird two-game series against the Red Sox. I don't know why it's only two games, but it's just Tuesday, Wednesday, day off Thursday, and then they're going to Tampa Bay to face the Rays. Some statement times. I feel like like I I feel like we got a lot to say to these Red Sox who are pretending to be the best team in the American League. Um Wanted to leave the episode with this. Uh, This is a little feel-good story from around the league. Cleveland Indians called up Sean Kazmar to their uh, team, and he pinch hit on, I believe, Saturday in the fifth inning. It was the first time that he had uh, played in the big leagues for 12 years. He played 12 years ago for um, a part of a season. He wasn't didn't do too well. He was 23 years old and he got sent down. And for 12 years, this guy battled around in the minors 
and he was on the buses and he did all of the road trips and he was, you know, making no money and eating the fucking triple A food. And he stuck with it for 12 years. And at the age of 36, he gets called up to the big leagues again. It hasn't happened in the major league since 1950. And I think it's just because especially, I mean, especially, you know, with the situation that's going on in the world, especially the way that Ontario and Toronto are right now, it's tough to see the light at the end of the tunnel. It's tough to think that your dreams are still real and that you can still go after them. And so I guess this story just says, hold on, because you never know how long it's going to take, but you will get a chance to be in the big leagues again. Don't forget to leave us a review on Apple podcast, subscribe, like, we'll always shout out your reviews. We love that you guys are starting to interact with us more and uh, we'll see you later this week. Bye.